Welcome to today's webinar compiled and produced by the team at biznews.com. All of our webinars are interactive. We encourage you to pose questions to our guests. The more challenging, the better. And the earlier you get the questions in, the better the chance of having them answered. The recording of this webinar will be available later today on the biznews.com channel on YouTube. Well, there we have it. Uh, I'm Alec Hogg, and it's a warm welcome to you for the webinar today. You can see our man in London, Dion Christ. Dion, lovely to have you in the program with us, and David Shapiro. And uh, before we get going, we, let's just clean this off quickly so that we don't have a, a complete conversation about uh, Arsenal's victory last night against Man United. Uh, uh, just for, for edification of everybody who's coming into this webinar, Dion and David have season tickets next to each other at the Emirates in the Arsenal Stadium, which they, they graciously allowed my wife and I to use in the West Ham v Arsenal game last year or two years ago. Uh, they're right in the middle of all the Arsenal supporters, and I wasn't even allowed to clap because every time I did when my team did something slightly reasonable, I had about uh, 50,000 Arsenal guys looking at me and wanting to beat me up, and uh, they didn't quite shake their fists, and they weren't 50,000, but it felt like that. But anyway, congrats to the two of you. I'm sure that you are happy today, and I'm uh, very grateful that you didn't decide to wear your Arsenal shirts to this webinar. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> well, red's got well, a different meaning now, Alec. <laughs> you know, if you wear red now, it's a slight... Uh, with the election tomorrow, it's a slightly different meaning. So uh, you've got to be very careful if you're seen in red. Mm. Yeah, well, well, the election. Just say it's, it's a lucky color in China. You know, if we're going to talk about mm. Chinese internet companies later, I don't know. Well, I, I, before we actually go into uh, the whole results of last week, and it has been a, a huge week for uh, the, the big tech companies, that decision on Friday night, sorry, on Friday morning by NASPAS. Mm -hmm and process to buy back $5 billion worth of shares uh, lifted NASPERS against the whole market. We saw NASPERS rising by uh, what are three or four uh, percent, whereas the stock market as a whole, and particularly big tech, was very soggy on Friday. It's, however, just should be just the start if you have a look at how NASPERS has underperformed. Dave, do you want to pick up on that quickly? Yeah, I, you know, if it wasn't for NASPERS, um, I was just doing the 10 monthly figures on the JSC. And if it wasn't for NASPERS, the results would have been absolutely awful. I think overall, the all share index is down about 10% um, for the year. That's the JSC all share index. If we convert that to dollars, it's down about 22%. So, um, you know, I always like to bring markets to a common denominator and I like to look at them. In, um, in, the, in dollar terms. So if it wasn't for NASPERS and the performance, uh, we would have been a lot worse uh, than we had. But I have to draw up something as well, because when, you, when NASPERS announced that, um, you know, the buyback, 
um, of about $5 billion. I looked at Tencent, and Tencent for the year in RAND terms, again, having to convert to a common currency, um, Tencent is up about 86% for the year in RAND terms. If we look at NicePurse, around about 56%. If we look at, uh, sorry, sorry, Process, 56%. If we look at NicePurse, 36%. So it gives you some kind of idea of the different performances that we've seen in those shares, and you can understand why there's this desperation or need to try and close the gap. It hasn't quite paid off. And I'll give Dion a chance in that, and I'll give you my views as well about what I think is happening in, you know, in markets and why this gap um, is as wide as it is. Yeah. yeah, just two things to briefly add. You, you, you mentioned Friday's strength, um, Alec. I think it also needs to be taken into account that uh, the, the 10 cent price has actually been quite strong in the last few days, you know, reaching you know, over 600 uh, Hong Kong dollars uh, towards the end of last week and again being strong today, holding up today in spite of the falls that we saw um, in the tech shares in America uh, on Friday. So it's it's certainly, uh, you know, Nasdaq has, has got the 10 cent win in its favor, not only in terms of the last, you know, 10 or 15 years, but certainly in the last, uh, in, in the last few days as well. And then just the second part, I mean, obviously everything that, uh, that David says about the importance of NASPAS for the performance of the JC is, is true, and it's extreme in the South African market given the, the relative size of NASPAS, but, but the same principle really applies, uh, applies um, around the world, and certainly in America, if you just look at where the S&P closed on Friday night, I think it's down about 2% for the calendar year now, so you might as well call it you know, flat for the year. Um, but that is in spite of the fact that uh, two-thirds of the constituents uh, of the S&P and of the Dow, if you want to focus on that index, mm. are, are down for the year and down double digits. In many cases, down 40%, 50%. Um, it's only the mega tech company, mega billion-dollar or trillion-dollar tech companies um, that have done well and that are up double digits and in some cases much more than that. Um, so it's it's just essentially the same principle but on a larger scale that's, that's true for, for the world and, and for the American market in particular. It reminds us so much here in South Africa of how we've had two markets in one for decades with the industrial and financials on the one side and the resources stocks on the other. When the resources stocks were performing, you would hear that the JSE as a whole did X, but actually the resources could be jumping 20% and financial and industrials could be down 20%. So it's almost like we, we're now seeing this from a global perspective. But before we get more, more deeply into the subject, our general manager, Stuart Lohman, is looking after the tech. Stu, do, do you want to just remind us how uh, we can or how the questions can be posed and uh, make sure that all the everyone can hear us loud and clear? Excellent. Thanks, Alec, and welcome, Dave and Dion. Um, just so the attendees, there's a little high-five button on the control panel on the right-hand side. If you can see Dave and Dion and this little presentation underneath and hear my voice, if it's loud enough, can you just give us a high-five to make sure that it's coming through? Excellent. I see some half-ups coming through, Alec. That's good. And as Alec mentioned, do like to keep it conversational. There's a little questions bar on that same control panel. If you put your questions in there, Alec can pick them up and pass them on to David and Dion as we run through the tech discussion. That's all good this side, Alec. Thanks. Yeah, and those questions, uh, when you look at the question mark, uh, it really is simple. This whole show today, our uh, rational radio show today, is focused on tech stocks in the United States, and uh, we've already had a little appetizer with the South African major tech stock, uh, uh, Naspers, and of course, Prosus, the, its, its, uh, its son. <laughs> and uh, we'll, be, we'll be starting off with um, the 
the, the two stocks that are in the Biz News portfolio and to just get some insights from David and Dion. Dion, uh, we invested in Amazon literally when the portfolio began six years ago at $327 a share. Of course, today it looks amazing uh, at the, the, the share price of uh, over $3,000 a share. And if, you don't have to be too clever in any portfolio if you've had that kind of good luck. But these, this latest set of financial results, although uh, they appear on the surface to be pretty good, the share price of uh, Amazon came down a little as a consequence. Now, is that a, is that a market thing or is that people uh, thumbs down to those Amazon numbers? Maybe take us through it. No, I think the, the numbers were amazing. Um, Alec, it doesn't matter how you look at it. The, the, the sales was up nearly 200%, for example. And you can look at nearly any line on that uh, income announcement and the numbers are amazing. The, the, the growth in web services, the, the cloud business, is strong and I think ultimately that is what will drive this company in the longer term going forward, much more than the retail business and the various aspects related to that. Um, so I think on the whole, to cut a long story short, they were they were numbers that were very good. The, the, the reason I think the market um, didn't seem to like them that much towards the end of last week is possibly twofold. I think firstly you can argue that it was in the price. I mean nobody was really surprised by how strong the numbers were. They may have beaten the official consensus expectations, if you look at the Bloomberg averages. Um, but in the end, we've had the stay-at-home economy this year, and we know that there are you know, only a few companies that have really done well, and of course, Amazon, I think, sort of leads the charge there. So maybe you can argue that it was over-discounted, takes a breather, you know, before it takes the next leg up. And then the second reason, I guess, it's just been very much in the news in the last week, uh, all the sort of uh, regulatory uh, headwinds that some of these tech companies may face. Now, personally, we'll probably talk about a little bit more about that um, you know, in the rest of the conversation. Is that really a reason for worry? You know, should people flog these shares? I don't think so, is the short answer. But every time that we get a Senate committee or a congressional hearing um, and you get somebody like Jack Dorsey, you know, who looks like Father Christmas going, you know, online being interviewed, you know, all these tech shares, um, you know, they're just under the magnifying glass. And I think finally you can maybe add the, the uncertainty around the U.S. election and about the result of the U.S. election um, that is now imminent. We are days away. Well, well, less than it, we are a day or two away from, from having our first indicators there. So you add all those th things together and you have a bit of a bad cocktail, I guess. So to go long story short, I don't really think it's, it's, it's bearish as such. I think it's just a phase of the market we're going through. And, and you know, in the fullness of time, I think the tech shares will, will show their strength again. Jack Dorsey is a very skinny Father Christmas, if, uh, <laughs> to, to take that analogy a little further. David, from a South African perspective, uh, the one area of Amazon's results that were not good was in fashion, luxury stores. Now, why a South African perspective? Because Richmond has got a very strong position in Mr. Porter uh, in, in that area. And it, along with LVMH and other luxury groups, are not surprisingly very worried about Amazon coming into that market. And they've been resisting so far. And, of course, that's been shown in the results. But do you think this, this bulldozer that Jeff Bezos uh, drives will eventually crush even that little uh, area of resistance? I don't think so. I don't. Luxury is um, – you have to understand luxury. And there's luxury and luxury. And I, and I think luxury, um, I don't think you can re replicate I've got the greatest admiration for LVMH, for Bernard Arnault, and what he's built 
And um, I don't think you're going to find a Louis Vuitton bag um, on Amazon. You know, they it just won't be there. And um, unless it's obviously been stolen or it's on eBay, you might find secondhand, but they won't allow that to happen. So I think luxury brands protect their brands immaculately. And um, I don't think, you know, so, so my point of view is that you might get expensive uh, uh, clothing being offered on, on Amazon. But I think that if you're going to buy uh, what is deemed luxury and, you know, the, particularly the aspirational um, Asians, um, I think they're very specific about where they're going to go. So you've got to look for the brand. The sad thing about Richemont, though, you know, even though they are trying to work their way into, um, uh, you know, luxury clothing, I think watches have been probably the least favorable or the least, um, what's the word, uh, the least best luxury band, simply because they're so expensive. And you, know, you can't, uh, you want to buy a luxury watch, you really pay a lot. That's why I like what LVMH is doing with uh, Tiffany's, because you have to understand Tiffany. They've handled um, their luxury brand very well. When you go into Tiffany's in Fifth Avenue, you know, when you go down to the bottom, that's where all the expensive stuff is. And you see the famous, I think it's a colored and diamond or something there, a replica of that. Uh, and then you go to the second and third floor, and that's where you buy the aspirational designers, which we can afford, $100, $200, or $300. Now, that's... That you can market, and you'll understand where I'm getting at. What Richemont owns, and Dion knows it very well because he's in the heartland of uh, of uh, Cartier or Van Cleef and Arpels. You don't walk into those shops wearing uh, <laughs> wearing Nikes or wearing uh, Converse khakis, etc. Slipstops, shorts and slipstops. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you mean you don't get in? They won't let you in. Apart from the cold. <laughs> I'm flattered that you say I should know that. Uh, I have walked past those shop, shops, David, but I, I haven't walked into them very often, so I wouldn't know. But I'll take your word the for difference it. The difference is you'll walk into a Tiffany store. They make you welcome, even though they've got these exclusive, beautiful brands, etc. You're never made to feel uncomfortable in their store. So I think it's a, it's something that LVMH know how to handle. They know how to get to that middle ground, that aspirational young person who wants a designer jewelry etc so um you know th th that's kind of my answer on the thing i don't think amazon are going to sell that they're not going to sell it, tiffany they're not going to sell designer jewelry and they're not going to sell designer clothes if i can just add to that i, I fully agree and i think where where um, david started with the old luxury experience I, I think people do value you know being made feel welcome be, being made feel special being made feel rich even if it's only for the 10 or 20 minutes that you spend in the store um, I've never owned a Cartier watch myself, but my wife <laughs> used to own one until we sadly lost it in a break-in a few years ago. That's a story for another day. And while we had the Cartier watch, on one or two occasions, something needed to be done, either a new battery or whatever. And you could walk into a Cartier store any, anywhere in the world, and because of the, the way they track it, the serial numbers and the like, you know, you're part of the family the moment you walk in there. They give you five-star treatment. They, 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 you know, they clean it for you. They do whatever they need to do. They do it quickly and efficiently. It's a little bit like the, the sort of, Apple iStore experience, but for luxury goods. And, and that's a special feeling, and you're not going to get that over the internet. So both of you feel, if, if I can interpret or maybe put words in your mouth, that Amazon's move into luxury, which has not been successful so far, uh, is not really a threat at this point anyway to Richmond. 
which is one of the big stocks on the JSC and, and held by many people who are participating in this webinar. The I other side it, of that, it won't be the first time that Amazon ventures into a part of the market that doesn't quite work out. And it doesn't matter for Amazon. You know, they try many things. Some things don't work out. That there's, there's lots of other things that are doing well. So from an Amazon point of view, I don't see it as a problem. Um, but in terms of this specific market, yes, I think you're probably right. But no doubt David's got, you know, perspective. Mm. I, look, Amazon is, is, is multidimensional now. I mean, it's... it's uh, mm. The difference between Amazon and perhaps um, Spotify, not Spotify, Shopify, sorry, and some of the other um, um, e-commerce companies is simply the range that you can get you know, from them. So you'll go to Amazon and have a look first. If you can't get it there, then maybe you'll go down to a, a special share, a store. But Dion mentioned uh, web services, the cloud. They've got Alexa, which is a whole new industry as well. You know, we. You come home and you can say, Alexa, play me this. Or, and, and Alexa's always listening to what's happening in your household. So they're, uh, they know exactly what's going on there. But Except it's, it's, in it's, South actually, Africa, Dave. <laughs> Not in South get, Africa. Yeah. <laughs> no, you can't, you can't, I've got my Alexa and she listens still that I brought mm. back from yeah. London. But mm. uh, you can't get the app to work in South Africa. You can't mm. download it. So let's uh, let's I, hope I Amazon. They've got a huge presence in Cape Town. I don't know why they're not letting us have Alexa here. I, I don't know, but it's it really is good. I mean, and uh, particularly if you're lazy, you can ask them anything. Um, you know, the other thing is in 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 media. You know, they've got uh, you can go onto Amazon now, and uh, they've got the streaming services, producing movies, etc. So, it it I think it's an incredible business. And uh, the thing is that they put a lot of money back into research and development, which is something that is common in all the companies we're going to talk about and is something that you have to look at, you know, when you assess a company. What are they reinvesting in developing new brands or reinforcing their own brand as well? Very, very good and important issue there, given what we're seeing in South Africa with much of corporate South Africa not reinvesting and certainly not spending money on R&D. Just to close off with Amazon, revenue for the quarter was up 37% year on year, record 96 billion US dollars, profit tripled to 6.3 billion, strong online sales, digital advertising up very strongly and of course you've mentioned Amazon Web Services where they generate a lot of their cash from. Operating cash flow up 56%. This is a company that's uh, that's in our portfolio, has been there for six years. We're not touching it. Let's get on to Apple now. And uh, maybe, Dion, if you'd like to kick off on this one, the share price also, just like Amazon, under a little pressure. This share price, by the way, has been adjusted for the share split. So you can see that in the past year, uh, it still has doubled virtually, um, despite the, the little pullback uh, recently. I think there are two elements that I'd like to focus on. One is just about the share price itself, um, and then the other one is about the profit. So from a profit point of view, the numbers didn't quite shoot the lights out like the rest of these tech companies. I think a, a, a number of the metrics are slightly more modest. Having said that, the one thing uh, that one has to be that one has to bear in mind is that if you look at the very recent iPhone launch, usually these events uh, happen in the third quarter, so by the end of September this year, because of coronavirus and, and because of you know the supply chain arguments, it was delayed by I think six weeks or something. So it only happened in October, uh, and therefore the announcement that we saw a couple of weeks ago about the new iPhone, maybe more than a couple of weeks ago, three, three weeks ago I think, um, will be in the fourth quarter. So you 
could expect maybe a, a bounce in the fourth quarter compared to the third quarter and therefore on a year-on-year -year basis not quite comparable. Now the market knows that and she, should see through that um, but perhaps um, that had an impact uh, on, on the share price movement that may be disappointed towards the end of last week. J just focusing on the share price very briefly um, and this is where we can have a debate you know and you know many views make a market ultimately but out of all these tech shares I would argue that Apple is perhaps the most expensive in relative terms just relative to its own sort of history and growth path. Um, so it's, it's, it's really done well as a share. We all know that in the last couple of years. Um, it feels like a distant memory now, but as recently as, it's not quite two years, it was around Christmas of 2018, Apple effectively came with a profit warning, which at the time sent the whole market in a tailspin. The market went down by more than 10% in the wake of Apple's announcements um, in, in, in December 2018. Since then, they've bounced back tremendously. The share price has done brilliantly. Um, but until we saw the slight correction, you know, in the last few days, Apple has really been, you know, at its most expensive ever in terms of a number of obvious valuation metrics. No doubt we can discuss that a little bit further and whether, you know, it's justified. But I just want to point that out. Apple, as I say, I think is in relative terms perhaps more expensive than others relative to, 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 to growth parameters. David, your thoughts? Strangely enough, I've missed... I missed Apple, and uh, not for any reason. I love the company. I use the brand. I use all their services. I think the, the, my big worry was, and perhaps it's historic, was how uh, they were going to keep up uh, with, um, with 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 sales. You know, I always felt there was a point where you buy an iPhone and that was it. But I've come to realize that when they bring 5G, you're going to have to replace your phone whether you like it or not. One of the reasons they did lag a little was because naturally uh, in China uh, where 5G has taken hold um, and, and, and people are using 5G, no one's going to go into a store and buy a 4G phone. So they were behind the curve there, but they're now starting to launch their 5G. It wasn't in the September quarter. I think the, the other angle that I like, and I'm doing quite a bit of work on and when I say work, it's, it's hard work to understand. Uh, in lockdown, we've changed our habits. We've changed so many ways of doing things. The clothes that we wear, um, just the apartment that we're in or the home that we're in, especially if, if you're sharing with somebody else, you now have to share space. But the one angle is that when you work from home, you have to improve your home equipment. You know, you can't, <laughs> you, you've actually got to buy your own computer. Your children have to buy their own computers. You have to get proper Wi-Fi and, and a whole lot of series as well. And and what what impressed me there was the um, the Mac sales as well as iPad sales, which I think is coming with this work from home um, culture that we're developing now. So I think that equipment makers, particularly like Apple, and also the other thing is that we used to use the firm phone. You know, I still used to use a landline at home. Now I use my phone immensely i use it a lot more than i ever have so i think your phone is becoming a lot more important to you as you operate uh, in your home office as well so there are a lot of angles that are working in favor of of, of apple but i i agree with with um dion i think that they're on the ex slightly on the expensive side but if you had to say to me i'm going to buy them and uh, i would say that's okay with me you know there's just so much going for them um, uh, at the moment, but watch those 5G. 5G is not 4G plus one. Mm.
It's a completely different dimension. Um, uh, Apple is the second biggest stock in our portfolio, 18% of the portfolio there, because it's it's done so incredibly well and we haven't sold any. But just to go through the numbers, and I, I do watch these very carefully, total revenue at Apple was actually up by 1%, primarily because Max, as you said earlier, 29% growth in the sale of Max because of the pandemic. But the iPad, which uh, I have, and I can tell you it's, it's a wonder machine. Uh, I don't use paper ever ever anymore uh, that was up the sales up 46 percent so when people start discovering how incredible these products are uh, a 46 percent growth in in ipad sales is just it's like off the charts on the other hand the iphone revenue was down 21 percent and the point that you made earlier that the people in china are very smart and they decided not to buy iphones that was down by 29 percent in china until the 5g's come through John made the point as well that usually the iPhones are being launched in September. Now this year they are launched in October, so they're not in the quarter that we're looking at. But with 5G, with these new iPhone 12 being 5G enabled, they can't supply them fast enough. So we're going to see a, a gangbuster quarter likely coming because of the 5G launch. And then if iPads and Macs continue to do what they've been doing, well, I'm, a, uh, I'm an uh, Apple uh, bull. I have, always have been. We've got uh, Apple equipment in our company. We, 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 we love, you know, you get to airdrop. You can just pass documents between them. There's just so much going once you are in the Apple ecosystem, which is exactly what Steve Jobs was predicting, uh, the late Steve Jobs, years and years ago. That's why I built it that way, as a, as a closed system. So I guess uh, when one looks at the current share price and you multiply that by, what was it, a five-for-one split or a four-for-one split? Four-for-one, four yeah. Um, then it does look uh, incredibly expensive. Uh, I mean, we bought it at $120, and so four-for-one split, you put that down, you're talking about $500 in, in six years. That's an incredible increase. But on the other hand, if you were to ask me, would I sell my Apple shares today? I definitely wouldn't. If Warren Buffett decides to sell his, we might reassess. But, but as long as, uh, as the Obas from Omaha has got his, we'll be looking at it. And, and all of those issues that were behind the, the investment in the first place, I think, remain there. There's nothing in these results that would scare me, uh, even though profit fell slightly. It was only from... 76 cents a share to 73 cents a share. And analysts it's actually, actually expect 20, 71 cents. So, mm, John? I, I, I agree with everything you said, Alec, except I want to point out this. There, there is one thing that has changed since you bought it four years ago, and it's been a fantastic purchase by you, and I've got to congratulate you. But I think it is, just in terms of valuation metrics, I think it is at least twice as expensive as, as it was then. Um, it has re-rated magnificently. It's been, I, I know people say you shouldn't value tech shares on a PE basis, it's oversimplistic, and I get that. But it's something that I think most viewers and listeners understand and relate to. And I think four years ago, it would have been at a PE ratio of low double digits, and today it's probably three times that. Um, so that's the one thing that has changed. The, the market has woken up to the fact that maybe it was too cheap four years ago and Alec Hawk bought it, but it's a lot more expensive today. I, I'm a big <laughs> Apple fan myself. I've just counted this into you in our household. We only have one child, but we have seven Apple devices. So there's three iPhones, three iPads, and a Mac. Um, but also these things are, are quite robust. Certainly, I, we'll have to replace when 5G arrives. But my daughter's iPad, which used to be my iPad, was bought, I think, seven or eight years ago. It still works wonderfully. Um, it's not the latest technology, but it's good enough for her. 
So these things are quite robust. The replacement cycle, um, I think, is also extending uh, over time. I'm surprised David doesn't have a, uh, the latest version of the iPad, given your, your drawing, David. You can actually draw on it. It's an incredible stuff. Uh, are, you, are you not an iPad user? No, I've, I've, got, I've got three iPhones, but I only use one. I use one for traveling. I've got um, you sure you're not Nigerian? an iPad. <laughs> the Nigerian business people have always got lots of iPhones. That's the, the one standard uh, piece of equipment. So you got three, but you only use one for traveling. Yeah, that's mine. And then uh, I've I've got one and one for traveling. One's defunct. My wife loves to keep them because she's always giving them to the children. And then I've got an iPad, which I also use um, extensively. My laptop is a Lenovo, but you know when you work for a bank. Um, they choose the equipment and there's so many firewalls there that even now I'm not talking on my system. I'm talking on my own private system because the camera's better and uh, I don't have to jump through hoops. So, you know, when you work for a bank, David, they probably take the calculation of the difference in price <laughs> and then decide that it would be a far better investment to get the lower quality stuff. That's my story. You've got to believe it. <laughs> I've got a, a few questions before we move on to the other ones. Mark Foster wants to know from you, gents, what three tech stocks would you invest in at the current valuations? Dion? My top uh, pick would be one that we haven't discussed yet, so maybe we won't focus on it today after your introduction, um, Alec, and that is Alibaba. Um, and the reason is, simplistically, I think, a, a few points. Firstly, you know, it is in many ways the, the Amazon of China. If you just look um, at its uh, at its PE ratio once again, I'm focusing on that because, as I said, maybe simplistic, but people relate to it. It's probably trading on a multiple, maybe a quarter of Amazon today, so it's a lot, lot cheaper compared to Amazon. Um, it's on a market capitalization of about half, but of course, if it was in a similar PE, it would be a bigger company today. It's got a, an addressable market in China, which I think. Um, is a multiple of, of the market that Amazon has already captured and could cap capture um, going forward, you know, just being the growth in China. So you put all that together, it's, it's essentially an early version of Amazon in a much bigger market and trading much more cheaply. So you put all those factors together and I think you've got lots of wins in your favor if you buy this today and hold it for the long term. Nice. you got two more to answer Mark's question. He did ask for three. Okay, well, I mean, I'll pick the three that we own, you know, so we do own Alibaba. Uh, we have owned Microsoft for many years and, you know, since we bought it uh, for clients probably eight or nine years ago, it's gone up, I think, seven times, which has not been, you know, as spectacular as Amazon perhaps over the same period, but it's been a very, very solid performer. Um, and I do think that with the Microsoft enterprise, um, you know, infrastructure and ecosystem, and once again, it's it's been um, enhanced this year in the work from home environment. So we, as a firm, we we don't use Apple product. I'm sitting working, I'm I'm sitting having this conversation on my firm laptop, which is a Dell, and it's it's plugged into Microsoft. We use Microsoft Teams every day, and ultimately the cloud business. You know, I think if you look at what Microsoft has managed to do in the last two or three years in terms of cloud, uh, Amazon was leaps and bounds ahead of them. Uh, as recently as perhaps three years ago. And, and Microsoft has, has really come on in leaps and bounds and is now solidly the number two provider in the US and, and globally. Um, they got their big win, you know, when the Pentagon gave them a $10 billion per annum contract a couple of years ago, that really catapulted them. 
Uh, and I think they've, they've got the wins in their favor. And once again, you know, they, 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 they're trading at a multiple, which is, which is not extreme. You know, it's, it's 30-ish, um, which is more expensive than the market, but I think for very good reasons. So, so we love the company, and I, and I think it's, you know, it's got many more years of profitable business. I don't see anybody leaving uh, the Microsoft enterprise uh, system and ecosystem anytime soon. And then finally, I think you said you didn't really, in particular, wanted to talk about Facebook, but we do own Facebook as well. Um, you know, we just think that uh, it's uh, a solid business, um, that there's a good prospects for it going forward. Um, in their numbers this year, if, if I remember the numbers correctly, uh, Facebook itself has something like 1.8 billion daily users. And if you add the other parts of the infrastructure or the, or the ecosystem to it, you know, there are various platforms in Instagram and WhatsApp and Messenger, that number goes up to something like two and a half billion. You know, it's, it's a third of the world use some Facebook product uh, on, on a daily basis. That's just amazing. And, and once again, I, I don't think the, the share is expensive. Yeah, extraordinary. Uh, Facebook, I have to agree with you. We made the mistake of selling out of Facebook after the Oxford uh, Analytica, um, Cambridge Analytica, Oxford Analytica. I, mean, I, I was trying to help you a bit there, uh, Dion. Has, uh, I know it was it was uh, the same place as, as your uh, alma mater. But anyway, the, the, the Cambridge Analytica uh, chaos, uh, we got out there. It showed that there weren't too many cockroaches. Um, Buffett's view that there's never just one cockroach in the kitchen. Well, maybe there was only one in that case. And Facebook is a, a phenomenon. And, and to, when you look at it in the perspective that you've just given, that one third of humanity is using one of their products, you, you really have to jump at that. And the results were very good as well. And then Microsoft, we have in our portfolio as well. And I must agree with you. It seems boring, but my goodness, it's been a wealth creator. So it's also one of those that you kind of put away and, and, uh, and just let it get on with it. And it, as it has been doing, David, your choice of three. Um, I have problems with three. <laughs> I've got ten. <laughs> so. Okay. So how are we <laughs> going to prioritize to three? Uh, that's that's a difficulty. Um, if it comes, you know, you've got you've got to look at the whole ecosystem, and and that's important. I think. When you look at, you know, Dion mentioned uh, just how many people use Facebook. And I think if you look at Alphabet, you've got a similar type of situation. If you look at, um, you know, if you look at, uh, sorry, Amazon, the same kind of thing. If you're going to advertise, if you're a serious advertiser, you can't do it without those businesses. You can hate Mark Zuckerberg, you know, you can detest Jeff Bezos, but if you're a business, you're, you cannot do anything. You cannot advertise with, uh, you know, with those businesses. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm Amazon, Microsoft, Elf, um, Alphabet. I've definitely got Alibaba. I was one of the, came in right at the beginning. I love Jack Ma. His story is phenomenal. And to me, he's one of the, the characters of the world. He's a wonderful chap. And I remember when they first listed Alec, there was the story of um, counterfeit uh, accusations of counterfeit goods there, and the shares fell. And I had clients saying, what's this barber thing that you've bought for us? What's this barber? Because that's their code, B-A-B-A. -A. And, you know, oh, we got such pressure. I moved out. I said, oh, no, I can't stand this anymore, which was a disaster. I think we sold it about 80 or something like this and subsequently bought back. But it's been a wonderful success story. So I think you've got to have those, what you call, I don't know whether it's platform companies or infrastructure companies. But uh, around that, 
there's just so much happening in that space. So I'm Amazon, Microsoft, Alphabet, Alibaba, Tencent, but they, and Facebook, sorry, and Facebook. So those are my six, but I have to add on that you can't ignore, and I hope we go into the conversation. The best company that I, I love is is uh, is one that is listed in Amsterdam. It's called ASML, and they make the lithography machines that actually allow chip makers to make the chips. And you've got to look at this. It's a bit expensive at the moment, but uh, it's a magnificent business. So your NVIDIAs and all these other businesses cannot make their um, their their chips without the technology provided by ASML, and it's a dual. Uh, company from Holland, you know, which are just just but very very high tech. To me, that's a company I love very much. Although it's not technically in the discussion that we're having now. And then of course you've got the chips as well. So I think you've got to look at the whole the whole rounded product. So that those are, what, did I leave someone out? Uh, Nvidia, AMD, Salesforce. Oh, Salesforce as well. I love the businesses that are doing the uh, the software now for cloud you know it's a completely different industry now you've got to re you know if you want to use cloud you can't just go and buy software off the uh, package you've got to use those companies that know how to use the data we used to call it crm you know customer relationships managers now it's changed so i think their code for salesforce is still crm but but i i you know for me that's the uh, you know those are those are the ten stocks that that I like in technology at the moment, and we can expand. I mean, there's plenty plenty of others that you can discuss. David, I still remember the most expensive coffee I've had in my life. It was with you about five years ago at Tushkas, um at Melrose Arch. And you told me about <laughs> you told me about, about ASML that day, and I didn't buy it. So I, I still I still, I still count my opportunity cost. Dion, he only told us about ASML about six months ago. So you should count yourself as a, as a closer friend than the rest of the business community. Thank you, David. Still didn't make me <laughs> But anyway, it's still a, it's still a stock to, uh, at this point, it's one of those that will always be expensive. Put it in your portfolio, maybe a bit like Microsoft, and, and it's going to do you well. Exactly. But I think it's, you know, they've got the technology. And I love that. Do you, do you remember Buffett bought that Israeli company? Mm. And, you know, even Iskar. the, yeah, Isco and, and Charlie Munger could not believe that they ran this company from remotely, you know, that there weren't any people in there. The technology was so great, which was a similar type of company making, you know, very highly specialized uh, little parts. And that's what ASML is. It's uh I'm going to come on to something as well when we when we run out of conversation, which I don't think we're going to get into. Well, we've got too many Holland. questions to run. Mm. Too many okay. questions to run out of conversation. But you can talk about Holland because I know they play football almost as well as the Arsenal. <laughs> they used to. No, they, they, their team's not too bad now. What's interesting in, in Holland is that you know you've got Process listed there, you've got Bookings.com, you've got Philips. And you've got, and these are the ones I know in ASML. It's actually a very hotbed of technological development as well. And it's strange that, uh, you know, we should look there for, you know, for companies like that, um, you know, for, for top tech companies. But the only problem I have, and this is where I was going to get back to with process, is that Europe is not an equity culture. <laughs> Europeans are 
they, they're not like Americans or they're not even like us. They don't they don't buy equities. You know, they it's a socialist country where the government looks after you and pays your pension and you go into bonds, you know, because I can never understand why anybody would buy a bond at a negative rate. And the big worry is that these companies tend to to trade a lot cheaper or um, than, than perhaps some of the American counterparts. And it's something that's always bothered me that we're not going to really change. You know, technically, European shares are a lot cheaper than American shares. But I think to a large extent, it's because Americans focus inwardly and, uh, you know, just tend to ignore these kind of businesses. So, you know, th that's what's bothered me about process and why it's trading at such a deep discount to the underlying is that you haven't got people who are just going in there. And I measure all the, I measure the volumes all the time on the JSE and it just hasn't got that oomph that we wanted from it. I'll leave well, it there. I've been talking too much. <laughs> maybe they're going to listen to you and uh, list on mm -hmm. NASDAQ as well at some stage mm -hmm. in future. Mm -hmm. But uh, Peter Extian's question, he says, many commentators predict another crash, especially tech, i.e. Apple flag formation suggests $77. Okay. He's a technical analyst. Uh, and when, you are, when you've had success with technical analysis, you tend to believe it. And there are many in that camp as well. Are you worried about a crash, Dion? Alec, the short answer is no, but that doesn't mean that I'm sitting here today and telling listeners that there won't be a crash and there can't be a crash. I think if, you know, we've all been in the markets for a long time. Crashes happen and they often happen for reasons which in advance are unknowable, so-called black swan developments. Um, so could there be a crash? Yes, I would always acknowledge that. But do I expect a crash simply because, you know, these shares have run hard and they look optically expensive, some of them at least more than others? I wouldn't say so. I think if you just simplistically compare where we stand today to where we were before the previous big tech crash, the, the NASDAQ bubble of 2000, so pretty much 20 years ago, um, there's a very big difference. The largest companies then that were lifting the index you know, to uh, extraordinary highs at the time, a lot of them were simply not profitable. You know, They were created on a hope and a prayer in somebody's garage. They managed to mobilize huge amounts of free capital from the market that was overexcited. And in the end, um, you know, the air came out of the bubble. Um, and, and, and I think it was pretty clear at the time that, that it was a bubble for the simple reason, you know, that as I say, a lot of these companies were not profitable uh, and a lot of people called it and, and made money out of it as well. Today, the, the, the same index is lifted by the biggest, strongest, best companies in the world, some of the names that we've already um, spoken about. And yes, we can debate about valuation and we can maybe agree or disagree whether or not it's slightly overvalued or not, but it's not a bubble built on air with companies that are not profitable. Uh, it's a very different situation. Exponential companies, indeed. Pete Lowe asks a question of me. He says, so what are you going to do when the OBAS of Omaha is no longer there? Uh, Pete, um, <laughs> what I do now is listen to the smart people like Dion and David and get their insights and uh, use them to perhaps share with the business community what the opportunities are. So uh, we're going to miss uh, David. We'll miss we'll miss uh, Warren when he goes, uh, but he's left us such a deep and rich legacy over many, many, many years that I think you can mine that his annual reports. It's just his his common sense uh, for well. Or as long as I'm alive anyway. But thanks, uh, Peter. Very interesting question. Uh, James Tubb uh, has 
given me a um, thanks, James. He's given me an insight how to install Amazon Alexa on your iOS device in South Africa. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, Cecil says, would the panel recommend a Fang type ETF investment for Mr. Average? That's a good one, David. I, I'm not sure. Probably yes, as part. I mean, as, as long as it's modified, don't put everything into it. As long as it's within reason, you know, even though I selected uh, 10 tech shares, I mean, overall, it doesn't come to a vast amount of your um, portfolio. You know, you still got to moderate it. Uh, there's still other areas of the market uh, to invest in. So I think you've got to do it within within moderation or within reason, uh, understanding that there are risks uh, involved in anything that you do own. Um, I, don't, I don't know a FANG ETF. I'm sure you can find one. Oh, I'll tell you where we've done very well uh, here, um, Alec. I think people tend to ignore um, some of the trackers that you can get on the JSE. You know? And if Dion, Dion mentioned something very important, um, and, 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 and I just want to look at a note here so I don't mess it up. Because if you look, here are the top 10, uh, the, you know, the top 10 stocks on the, uh, in the U.S. market in terms of market cap. So it's Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Alphabet, Alibaba, you know, if you value that in, uh, Facebook, Tencent. So those are the, then comes Berkshire. So those are the top capitalized companies I think in, in, in US markets, they might not be like that in the S&P. But if you go into the S&P or if you go into the NASDAQ, you're going to get a fair sprinkling of really good businesses there. And even on the JSC, you can find um, a tracker fund that covers the follows the NASDAQ or follows the S&P. And I mean, if you're really tech, technologically minded, um, you know, don't ignore uh, Mecta. <laughs> She's got that fourth industrial revolution, which goes down into some really highly innovative businesses as well. So, you know, even you, you can find them in South Africa. You know, that, that's the point of finding care. Yeah, my apologies as well of, of being a little bit jargonistic there. And uh, not everybody mm. knows what FANGs are, uh, which stands for Facebook, Apple, Alphabet, Netflix, and Google, I think. Mm. Um, so those are, well, with Alphabet, Google, together. I'm sure there's another one in there that I've forgotten. But if essentially it's the big uh, tech sh uh, shares that are exponential companies and they call them FANGs. So what they're looking for is a, a, a FANG ETF would be those companies in, an, in a pool, in an umbrella, almost like a unit mm. trust uh, that you invest mm. only in those companies. But Dion, would you be investing in that right now in, in, a, in a basket of those shares? Potentially, yes, Alec, but I just want to go back to the original question, which, uh, you know, asked the question from the perspective, if I heard correctly, of Mr. Average. So should Mr. Average be in these things? I would say so, but I have to agree with David that one has to bear the risk of Mr. Average in mind, and the, the, the risk attitude, if you like, the risk capacity. So the extent to which you invest in it, I think, um, you know, would be different for, for different people with different time horizons and, and different risk profiles. And I would just add and say that if, if we are going to have this conversation about the FANG stocks, um, then there are other alternatives which give you similar benefits, but more interesting diversification as, much, as well. So there are some cloud ETFs, for example. 
you've mentioned the fourth industrial revolution one uh, from Signia. Uh, and then one which I quite like to look at is the so-called EMQQ, which is, uh, as some people uh, might know, this is jargon again, but the QQQ is the short code for the NASDAQ ETF. And the EMQQ is uh, an emerging market equivalent. So this is dominated by the Tencent and the Alibabas of the world. But you get lots of other interesting companies as well from places like Brazil and elsewhere. Not all tech, by the way. These are just uh, a basket of emerging market growth shares uh, scattered around the world. But as I say, very much dominated by the by the Chinese internet companies. Uh, another interesting Brilliant. one to consider. Thank you. That really is. And uh, Pete Lowe has come back again to say there's also a Signia Fang fund. What about Netflix? Asks Anthony Rotenbach. Uh, are uh, we? They are a Fang, and we haven't mentioned them at all yet. The results were also out a couple of weeks ago. I thought the results were pretty good, given that they'd added 28 million uh, subscribers this year. But because they only added 2 million in the latest quarter, and that compares with 27 million for the whole of 2019, it was only because they had such blowout uh, quarters, first and second quarter of this year, with only 2 million on top of that, the market didn't like it, and they knocked the share price back $50. So is is Netflix something that the two of you would consider at these levels? If I can just comment, I think Netflix is a wonderful product, and I've been a subscriber. My family have been subscribers for years now. Um, but there is a difference between a great company and a great product on the one hand and a great share. And I've never really thought Netflix is a great share. Yes, it's done brilliantly, so I've been wrong. Um, but effectively, I think maybe – you know, reality is catching up with the share price at, at the moment. So with the growth being not quite as spectacular as what maybe people hoped for, you can see the wind coming out of the multiple, you know, slowly. It, it used to be at a multiple of, of, of 100, a few hundred. In fact, it used to be infinite not long ago because they didn't make profits a couple of years ago. Now I think it's at a P ratio of not quite 100, but it's there or thereabouts, maybe it's 70 or 80. It's that sort of number. So it's still a pretty expensive share and it needs to grow strongly for years to come to justify the share price. And then final point I'll add is they've got serious competition now in the form of Disney Plus um, that have been growing market share pretty quickly. They're not at Netflix levels yet, but that's where the growth has been in the last 12 months, uh, stronger than in the case of Netflix. Mm. I, I prefer, I agree with you, I prefer Disney. Simply that Disney has the content already. You know, it's built it up, what, for 70 odd years. And uh, if you're a family member, you know, if you've got young kids or young teenage kids, you've got, you've, you've got to go Disney simply because of what they do offer. And to an extent, they've also got other areas uh, of their business, um, you know, using the brand, the Disney brand. Uh, they've been hurt very badly by ESPN now with, uh, without sport. And also they've had to close down their theme parks or not getting their revenue there and other areas of hospitality. But as a streaming service, um, you know, they, they're making a lot of headway and likely to continue to uh, add, uh, you know, add content. So Netflix is, if you speak to Reed Hastings, I mean, it's a wonderful business, but probably his biggest competitor, he'll tell you, is not Disney, <laughs> it's the gaming companies. And that's something we've got to talk about, is the, the incredible, explosion of uh, online gaming, which is, hold on, before I go off this, which is another area in which all the companies that we've been talking about, Amazon, Alphabet, you know, this is one common area that they're going to compete in, gaming. They all want 
the gamers. You know, the casual gamers, expensive gamers, the streaming gamers as well. So they're all making big, big, um, uh, not inroads, but uh, certainly investments in in uh, in in gaming on in you know online gaming. And that's an area where Microsoft is dominant, isn't it? So you 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 can add that to the Microsoft. But I I just want to challenge you both on Netflix because it's a company in our portfolio. We watch it carefully, and I watch the the, the quarterly uh, calls every quarter. Reed Hastings' view is is uh, ambivalent towards Disney. In fact, he thinks it's a beneficiary of their or, or a supporter of their business because his view, and it's a little bit like Daniel Ek at Spotify, is that as they grow the market in streaming, it will give him an opportunity to benefit more from his real competitor as he sees it, which is analog. So it's this move from uh, a move towards from from linear consumption mm -hmm. of television, i.e. Uh, free-to-air TV, to on-demand TV. And he sees that as being his, his big benefit. So he's, the point he makes, because he gets asked this question by, well, the way they do it is they get an analyst to come from one of the major firms and then they, they quiz the, the top five executives every quarter. And every time they get the same question, is Disney taking your market share? Uh, what about HBO, et cetera, et cetera? And he says, no. We love them because our real competitor is the 90% who's still sitting in the analog area. So, and Daniel X says the same thing about, about Spotify, mm -hmm. which has moved into podcasts. He says that our real competitor is free-to-air radio. So radio by driving versus radio on demand. But as I think Dion said a bit earlier, uh, this is that's what makes a market. Just to pick up a little bit more, because there's another question here from Peter, and he says, "What about Nintendo? Uh, mm. You mentioned gaming, mm. David. Is that mm. a stock that uh, that we should it, be doing homework on?" It's done brilliantly in the lockdown situation because they make consoles, okay. And what you've got to analyze is whether consoles will be replaced by streaming gaming. And where Amazon, Alphabet, uh, all the big companies are going into it, including Apple, is to get the streaming gamers, you know, where, uh, where you sit at home on your computer and you stream gaming. There's always going to be a market for, uh, for consoles. But as those who followed Nintendo and Xbox and Atari and all those others from our childhood, from, from years ago, not from my childhood, from my Amazon, from my adulthood, is that, uh, You've, it, it, it's the quality of the games and the quality of trying to keep up. My bet is more on streaming, you know, and, and, and that will come with 5G. That will come with better uh, chips such as NVIDIA um, and, and uh, you know, around the graphic side of it. So if you look at Fortnite and these kind of call to duty and everything, I don't think they're necessarily um, Nintendo-type companies. But, uh, you know, you can't, you can't take anything away from how Nintendo is done under this lockdown. I mean, people staying at home playing games. But Before we, know, we move off, uh, perhaps, uh, and, and I've got Google's share price there on the screen, and I'd love to hear your views on that one. But, uh, Dion, just to, to follow up on that uh, previous question, Paul Jeffries says, what about electronic arts on a PE of 18? Mm -hmm. You're the PE man, Dion. To be honest with you, uh, Alec, uh, it's not a company that I follow or that I know well. Um, 
I mentioned before that uh, a PE is a blunt instrument, but certainly if this is a growth company at a multiple like that, it sounds compelling. I, I don't know if David's got more insights uh, to offer <laughs> the company itself. Dion, you know, when it comes to, I was going to ask us something on um, on Netflix as well. It's all going to be about content. You know, content, content, content. And where Netflix can make it is that if they go into, as 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 we're seeing with um, with multi-choice, um, at the end of the day, it's the content that you provide. And if Netflix can continue to provide um, homemade um, content, you know, for for the areas in which they go into, then they will survive and do well. And that's 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 where the win's going to be. And that, to me, it's the same thing with electronic arts. You know, they've got to keep today. Developing a game is far greater than um, a Hollywood blockbuster. You spend considerably more money on a, on a game than you do on a Hollywood blockbuster. But if that flops and the people don't like it, you're dead in the water. You know, you're literally dead. So a lot will depend on what kind of games they can actually produce and whether they can keep the kind of games that are at the forefront um, of the gamers today, uh, you know, whether they can keep those going. Now you're hearing from a man who still plays Pac-Man, you know. So I can't. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm Pac-Man or Pinball. Those are the only games I understand. Well, Shaman Prem asks you, David, a bit of a follow-up there. Why is multi-choice trending upwards? Have they got to deal with Netflix? Is that the reason? No, no, no. That's because um, Vivendi, it is Vivendi, or and and. Um, Canal Plus, Canal Plus are going into the French-speaking areas and they want to share their content. They want to give multi-choice uh, uh, distribution. You know, that, that's where they're going. And, of course, you're not in an area in Africa where you've got the kind of streaming that you have in perhaps more of the developed worlds. I can't see that happening for a long time. So they're going into that analog area that, uh, you know, that you mentioned or in, in other words, TV, not really streaming, but uh, but more content providing into in, into into that game. So uh, from satellite TV into Francophone <laughs> Africa. Dion, uh, we, we, we're coming to the end of the show, and I've still got one more question that I'd like to ask from our, our community. But before we go there, Google, can you give us a quick view on this one? The share price went up when everything else went down in the past week? Yes, I, I think that's just one example where, you know, perhaps you can argue the market, you know, did not over discount um, the, the, the share price um, or, you know, or the, the profitability of the company, the numbers that, that we saw um, that, that came out towards the end of last week. It's what you said earlier on. I think David said it, both of you mentioned it, but David went into it. If, if you want to advertise, if you're a large company and you want to advertise anywhere in the world, you've got to be on Google um, and, and on the Facebook platforms. And I think the numbers in the last quarter for Google, you know, were just very compelling. And ultimately, the market liked it more than like the rest. The, the share price popped something like 5% after hours on, on Thursday night. And, and I think they maintained it on Friday. So interesting, that point. Because if you look at the previous quarter, when the share price came down so significantly, that was on the concern that they'd gone X growth on advertising. Advertising contracted in that quarter for the first time ever, whereas this time they're up 10%. And there we go. There's the share. Can I just can I just mention one thing? I referred to it briefly right at the beginning, and that is that some people are worried about sort of the antitrust uh, kind of legislation that may be coming in, regulatory pressure in America and elsewhere. Um, and that might all be relevant. But my question is, ultimately, 
you know, what's going to happen when this, you know, when, when, when this goes full circle? Um, maybe we'll end up with Amazon splitting into two and you'll have an Amazon retail and an Amazon web services share rather than just the one today. I'm not too worried about that. And the same is going to be true for Google. I think Paul Tron of Vestac the other day in his video made the point that uh, Google is being attacked from an antitrust point of view. Why? Um, because it's anti-competitive behavior towards Bing. And who owns Bing? Microsoft. They can look after themselves. So I'm not too worried about that. Yeah, the, the, the view that if you if you look longer term, if they do stop, and certainly if you've read through, which I haven't, 468 pages of the Democratic Democrat uh, grouping who put that product, uh, that that uh, analysis together on antitrust, what they're asking for is that the big tech companies not get broken up because they know they can't get that through the regulations. But what they're asking for is the big tech companies don't aren't allowed to buy more. In other words, they aren't allowed to expand through acquisition. Now, if you you just think that through to the logical conclusion. If they can't do that anymore, they're throwing off a heck of a lot of cash. They can only reinvest part of it internally. The balance they'll be doing through share buybacks and dividends, which is going to lift their share prices. So all around, I would agree with what Paul Teron said there. It's, it's, it's not a negative, more likely a positive. Just to close off with, guys, um, what about Elon Musk or Peter Bodel? And we are now at the end of our program for today. Perhaps you can give us a, a view on this South African lad, and he still carries our passport, so we will call him South African for as long as he carries our passport. Uh, your, your thoughts on Tesla, David? I, I, I don't know where to place it. I have no idea. I've just, I like Elon Musk. I just think that uh, he's an incredible character, and what he's built, you can't take anything away from SpaceX to Tesla. But how you value it is, 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 is impossible. And do not think, you know, I mean, he's got plenty of followers. And even if you look at the Wall Street analysts, there are so many people who are giving these, uh, who, you know, who look at it as a, as a technology company, maybe as a, as a battery technology for whatever, whatever technology it is. But uh, would I buy it at these levels? I, I just haven't got the courage, you know. <laughs> I don't know, I, I, but, but I enjoy him and I, I just love his innovation and, and I love what he stands for. But, um, you know, it's, it's take, take, you want to take a little bite of it if you really like him. Uh, and, and it's like buying Arsenal shares. You don't buy it because you believe you're going to make money. You buy it because <laughs> you, 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 know, you buy it because it's, it, it makes you feel part man of it. Once yeah. a century. Mm -hmm. Someone was telling me earlier, it's taken how long for you to be the top six side? About Nearly 10 years, years. I don't know. Yeah. No, 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 at, no, no. At their home, at their home, at, on no, their no, home I've, ground, yeah. Listen, I've, I've got these stats, I've been studying them. It's been 14 years at Old Trafford, but if you include <laughs> the other five that are in the mix, it's, it'll be six years in January, so just under six years. Sure, no wonder you guys are celebrating. Just to close off <laughs> with Dion, Elon Musk. Yes, it's a difficult one, as uh, as David says. I'll tell one anecdote, and that is, I mean, I don't own it. We don't own it for clients. But a year ago, I was at a conference, and I met the, an analyst on the Scottish Mortgages Investment Trust, which is an interesting one for people who can access that investment. Scottish Mortgages, it is Scottish, but it's no longer mortgages. But be that as it may, they're very much into tech shares, and Tesla was their top holding. I don't know what the percentage is today. And I questioned him on this. This is more than 12 months ago. And his words to me was, you should understand it's not a car company. It is a tech company. And he, and he went in through all the income streams and the future as they saw it. And one of the examples, and, and I think Dave mentioned it, is he said the future of batteries. So the intention is, and apparently this is already um, 
possible in terms of production, it's just not viable yet commercially. But that your whole car, if you own a Tesla, the whole roof panel and the, the boot or the trunk, as they say in America, will all be solar panels. And therefore, it'll basically drive itself uh, in terms of the battery technology. Now, as I say, they're working on it. Apparently, it exists. It's just not commercially viable yet. That's, that's one element that I think people have underestimated and are maybe getting wrong. And, and I would include myself in, in those that have missed it. It's very interesting. The, the most recent investor day that Tesla had was called the battery day. Uh, on exactly that to explain how how they believe they've made these huge jumps or progress uh, and I, I got uh, some information from uh, one of the uh, better investment analysts who look at that area the energy area and they fully confirmed uh, that what Tesla was saying although most of the stock market seemed to take it with a pinch of salt was really breakthrough and well uh, maybe that you've you've just sent us back to our homework. But thanks again, Dion. Lovely having you on the webinar today. Uh, and and uh, you look as though you, you're right next door. It just shows how the world has changed. Uh, and David Shapiro, who is next door, um, as always, uh, lovely having you as well, Dave. And thanks for sharing your wisdom with us. Uh, I know the business community, the uh, comments that we're getting back are very positive as always. And uh, look forward to seeing the two of you again in the near future where perhaps we should have a sports show after or they have to might have to wait six hey. more years eh? mm. <laughs> you know Dion, Dion was a cricketer you know he wrote the book on Hansi Crenier of course he did what was it you called know, Dion? and nothing but the truth and is it on Amazon it is on Amazon but uh, but I, I think it's just listed there because I had it once I'm not sure they've got stock but uh, but I've, I've got stock if anybody's interested <laughs> And nothing but the truth. A classic indeed. Thank you, gents, for being with us today. It's uh, It's been our pleasure. We'll be back again with the Rational Radio webinar. Back to the old format again next week where we have a CEO uh, in focus. Until then, cheerio. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this webinar, which is compiled and produced by the team at biznews.com. A recording of this webinar will be available later today on the biznews.com channel on YouTube. From our team, until the next time, cheerio. Thank <laughs> you.